You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Awesome. Good. I'm on early because I'm going across. This is the first time this year I'm doing both campuses in the morning. We, we, we did a live stream across, but, so, but here's the deal. I think what's going to happen afterwards is going to be more exciting than what happens in the sermon. Not that the sermon you're not going to like. You're going to like it. I don't always say that, but you're going to like it. Like, I don't have tickets on myself, but you're going to like it. Okay, come on, come on, you're going to like it. But the deal is this, you know, we've just come out of the month of rest, and it's been a revelation for, for so many people. You realize we did this years ago, but it was different this time. Very different. Don't go quiet on me. It's just, it's different because instead of searching for rest, we're coming from the place of rest. Coming from the place where we just took a deep breath, you know, and we took time to breathe. But, you know, now that it's over, though, it'd be easy to get back into the ruts of doing things the same way. Oh, yeah, striving, pushing, making things happen, not taking time in the presence of God anymore. We're back to normality. Well, being in the presence of God should be normal. That should be the way we live. And remember, rest, creativity, enjoyment, satisfaction, it's only truly, really found in Him. Everything else is temporary. It's found in Him. But I can't, you know, I can't speak for you, but speaking for myself, becoming a Christian There was no primary focus on resting whatsoever. Now, sure, I started out trusting Christ, placing my faith in Him, but I quickly moved to the place of trying to live and win with my own strength, my own abilities. You know, just making it happen. And you know this happened at the churches of Galatia. You know that, don't you? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, Paul said this, I just got a question. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Man, that was like, that that, that kind of described me. I got saved by believing by faith, but now I'm trying to get there and achieve everything and live out the fullness of God in my own effort. Now, that was my Christian life. I was like the Galatians, see? The mechanism for living a victorious Christian life was primarily what I did or did not do. Can I say that again? The determining factor whether I was going to win in life was it it was down to what I did or did not do. Mm. It's all about doing the right things, staying away from the wrong things. It was a life of ticking the religious church boxes. And I was foolish enough to think, yeah, it's about me, it's about my passion, it's about my effort, it's about me living through my power, not through the power and the life of the Holy Spirit. So life kind of seemed like one big fight that I was struggling to win. My Christianity was just about fighting, and I'm a fighter by nature, I guess you've worked that out by now, they should be having my bag come down, because I'm going to do some fighting. Where are you? Thank you, here it comes. Jared asked me if I was going to kick it head height. Oh, that'd be easy from there. Good, thank you. But you know what? Life was like, there was this struggle to win. And even though I'm a fighter by nature, um, there was an opponent I just couldn't beat. Just couldn't win over. 
And so I just fought harder and harder. And I fought, and, and, and the tougher I fought, the tougher this opponent got. I thought, stuff. I thought Christianity, I'm supposed to start enjoying this. It's supposed to be life to the full. And yet that opponent was just unbearable. The opponent was sin and self more than anything else. And I know what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7 when he found himself in the middle of this fight. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts verse 24 in the message. He says this, I've tried everything but nothing helps. I'm in the middle of this fight and nothing is helping. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? So let's put ourselves in the picture for a minute. Book of Romans, my favorite book. I think if I had no, you know, if I was left on a deserted island, had no Bible, but I had the book of Romans, love it. Could still love it. I could love my Christianity. But in the book of Romans, from the beginning all the way up to the end of chapter 5, Paul is building this biblical theological foundation about you are made right with God through faith. Nothing else. Nothing else. And he builds this thing that salvation is faith in God's gift, Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You go all the way back to chapter 1, verse 17. He starts out saying, the righteous will live by faith. Chapter 3, verse 22, righteousness is by faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. By the way, don't be put off by the big words. Just grow a little bit. Even the world uses the term righteous. Which means right standing. That results in right living. And so he says in chapter 4 verse 16, the promise comes to us by faith so that it's by grace. Chapter 5 verses 1 and 2, he says, you've been justified through faith and by this grace we stand. But he shifts gears when he gets to chapter 6. So he's building this argument, you are right with God by faith in his son Jesus Christ. Now in chapter 6 he goes, So here's the command. Stop giving in to sin. Don't let sin dominate your world. Shall we keep sinning so that grace gets bigger? How can you even think that? And you hear this man command after command. Don't be under the domination of of, of sin. Romans 6, 12. And all of a sudden your head's going to the place of, golly, that's not easy. That's tough. I wish they had told me when I put my hand up and said, yes, I want Jesus. Yes, I want to live forever. Yes, I want to be clean. Yes, I want to be forgiven. I wish they told me it'd be so bloody hard. Sorry. It's tough. That's where chapter 7 comes in. Paul is now going to the place where he says, yeah, I don't find it easy. All of a sudden, I find myself in this ring in a fight with an opponent that's just formidable. I'm not sure I can beat him. And you go back to Romans 7, backtrack to verse 21, where this fight's going on, and Paul describes it this way, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight. I want to do what God says, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me wants to do that. Yeah, reading your biography. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. Verse 24, we read, I've tried everything and nothing helps. 
I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the question? Help! Paul's describing this battle. The battle that takes place with every one of us when we get tempted to sin. We live in a body that still is prone to look at and go to the place of sin. And we face it daily. And chapter 7 of Romans makes it clear this. You can try to live by religion. You can try to keep the law all you want to. But it is not going to beat this opponent. You're going to get beaten down if you try to live by law and by religion because nobody, absolutely nobody on the planet has been able to keep the rules. Especially the enemy. And those rules are not going to set you free. Those rules are not going to cause you to win because you're going to lose every time. So how can we win in this fight if it's like that? I don't know if you can relate to that. Man, I can relate to that. Do you ever get to the place in your Christian life where you feel like you're, you're in the ring and you're not sure whether you can win or not and, and maybe this month of rest you didn't even get to catch your breath because the fight was just so intense. Man, they're talking about rest and breathing and I feel like I've got the breath knocked out of me every day. And you go, oh, the fight against temptation and sin, it's, just, it's too strong. It's getting the best of me so I try harder and the, the harder I fight, to the, it just doesn't seem to work. Now, I'll tell you something. I don't know about you, but when I go to the gym, I, I just soak two of these. I don't feel like I've worked out unless I sweat. I don't feel like I've preached good unless I sweat. Just don't trust fat people who sweat in the winter. Anyway, forget that. I know, it is, isn't it? I wasn't talking about you, so don't worry about it. I, I, I soak two of those things. But you know what happens? You, you get in a fight... And they just toss in the towel. That's what, one of the things the towel's for. Your corner knows you're done. And, and you're so punch drunk, you ain't got enough sense to quit. Gee, that was southern, wasn't it? You ain't got enough sense. Anyway. And so your corner, to save you, will throw the towel in. Just to stop you from getting your brains beat out. And Christianity can feel like that. But listen, before you throw in the towel and quit, go to Romans 8. Thank God Romans didn't stop at chapter 7. Because I want to tell you something, the chapter begins and ends with victory. Paul calls you more than a conqueror. That's later. But the Bible makes it clear that victory is ours. It belongs to us. The normal Christian life is not a life of defeat. You need to know that. The chapter talks about in living the Christian life the way it was meant to be lived. So over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about that. Christianity, living in victory. The way it was meant to live. And how God designed our life to be lived as overcomers, as winners, as no defeat. That's how He designed you. Anything is less than best for you. And we're going to know this, not just by, oh yeah, we're going to study Romans 8. No, we're going to know it by an encounter with the Holy Ghost. So here we are, round one. Round one. Even before the first punch is thrown, something important's got to take place. You can't get into the ring and get ready to face that opponent if this isn't squared away. I want you to see if you can pick it as we read the first four verses in the crowning chapter of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Hang on. I do a lot of this too in a workout. In a morning's workout for about an hour and a half, I'll sometimes burn 1,200 calories. 
I'll do about 52 kilometers on the bike and burn about 1,200 calories. I know I don't look like it, but you ought to see me if I don't. Anyway, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, you know what that one little word is doing? It's referring back to everything that he just wrote about. He's saying, because you've been justified by faith, because your body should not be subject to sin, because you are in a battle, because your body is still getting tempted to sin, you need to know that right now, right here, you are never condemned and, and made guilty. Period. Because you are in Christ Jesus. You need to know that. Verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, isn't it interesting, in Christ Jesus, now through Christ Jesus. Don't miss that. That's, that's not just a subtle little word change. That is actually something that works in our life very powerful. Because I am in Him, I can live through Him a life of victory. It's not just a standing, it's also a living. I'm not just made right, I can live right. Period. I firmly believe that it is possible, this side of heaven, to get to the stage where you get to the end of the day, lay your head on the pillar, and all of a sudden the light bulb goes on, ding, I didn't commit any sin today, I didn't even think a wrong thought. Now, if your brain just went to the place, oh no, impossible, then you've got a lot to get through this. You can get to that place. Word of God says it. Because through Christ Jesus, the law, the principle, the working of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Not will, not maybe, or depends on how you respond. He has done this for you and in you. Verse 3, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh. My body is not strong enough to keep any law or any principle to make me right before God. It was weak. Not the law was weak. I was weak to keep the law. What did God do? Here's the brilliance of God. Why did God have to send his son? Why did he have to become a man? Because it would take a man in a body of flesh to defeat the best weapon that the enemy has against us. A man who is perfect. A man who is flawless. It's like God saying to the devil, I'm going to beat you at your own game. You know, if God stepped down out of heaven and he grabbed Satan by the throat... The devil, he'd flail everywhere and go, unfair, unfair. You're a super heavyweight, I'm a lightweight. Unfair. That's why God became a man. Through the cross, he grabbed him by the throat and defeated him. As a sin offering, Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Guys, this isn't just in heaven, it is now. Okay, here we go. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. No, there's so much more i got to do before I'm acceptable. Nah, you're totally acceptable. There is nothing left to do for God to go, you're right. You're good. I'm good with you. It's already met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but by the Spirit. Now, I just thought, since I can't punch the bag because they told me it'll swing everywhere. I just put a picture up. Now, this, this picture was taken in 1974. Now, look, pictures make you look really thin, don't they? It was taken yesterday. No. 1974, that is me, Jez. That's before you were born. Yes, it was. On the state championship wrestling team. Um, and, and I was a wrestler also. I didn't have any martial arts pictures scanned in. I, I could show you. But let me tell you something. The most difficult and, the, and yet the most important time for my match occurred even before I got out on the mat. 
Man, it was, it was I'm telling you, it's gut-wrenching. It's one thing to play a team sport because you can sometimes, your, your mistakes can be hidden in a team. When you're standing in a ring nose to nose with somebody that's just as angry as you are, just as strong as you are, and just as determined as you are, there's nowhere to hide. And I tell you, the worst time was not on the mat. When I stepped out on the mat, I kid you not, there'd be 2,000 people watching. I couldn't hear or see one of them. Not one. There were two people I could hear and see. The guy in front of me and the ref. That was it. I was so psyched out. But you know what got me there? It's not on the mat. It's waiting for my time to get on the mat. Man, it plays with your head. And I tell you, I had to get to the space where I got my head in the game. I had to get to the correct place where I believed I can beat that guy. I'm better than that guy. And it, mean, it, it meant this, guys. I needed the correct incentive, which is motivation for fighting. Why am I even doing this? Your guts are going to... Like, you're going to throw up on the spot if you've eaten because you're just so wound up about the fight that's coming. You've got to get to the place right here that, no, nah, I'm good. I can do this. I can beat that guy. And you've got this incentive, this motivation. But I want to tell you something. It's also easy to lose that will to fight if you keep trying to do it in your own strength. You keep trying to do it in your own strength and you keep getting knocked down and you keep losing and your resources aren't good enough. Man, you don't have any motivation. Like, oh, no, I don't want to go out there. I think I'll feign sickness for the next match. All you've got to do, I hate to say it, but the young lad the tennis star who just gave up on the court and just walked off. He didn't want to play anymore. Here he is being paid multiple, multiple dollars and they interviewed him. Why didn't you want to do it? Yeah, I never really wanted to do it. His head was not in the game. He had all the talent in the world, but he couldn't win. You can have all the talent in the world. You can say all the right Christian things. You can do all the right Christian things and still get knocked down. Because you know how it is, you, you, throw a, you walk out all cocky, throw a couple of punches, boom, boom, you get hit, boom, that wasn't too good. You stagger, you get hit again, bam, down you go. You're out of breath, your strength is gone, your head is defeated, and you're going, golly, where am I going to get the ability to face this guy from? Well, you need to know that motivation comes best when it's in the place of freedom. That's when it comes. And that's what Paul said, verse 2. Let's go back to that for a second. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. This is something that's already occurred. Listen, if I wasn't prepared before match night, I better not walk out on that mat. If the coach had not gotten me ready and equipped and got into my ear and said, Edwards, you're better than this guy. I don't care how big his muscles look, and I don't care how mean he looks. You're better than this guy. He's just a roaring lion. You are more than a conqueror. If I didn't have that in my head, I better not walk out on that mat. If I didn't know I had already been made free to win this match, I'm not going to win. Because the law of the Spirit, the principle of the Holy Spirit working in our lives has already given us freedom from the law of sin. Sin has no dominion over you. Sin has no right to rule you. Sin has no right to dictate to you and say, come on, you did it before, just do it again. 
Sin is a tempter, not a dominator. I don't know if you've ever learned that principle. Hmm. So the deal is this. My motivation comes from a place that's already been secured for me, not by me. You need to dwell on that for a second. Because it's not the idea of how hard I fight that's going to get me to win. Because the deal is this, I have been freed, you have been freed from guilt and punishment. This is what God is saying. I like the way the New Century Version puts Romans 8.1, so now, at this moment in time, not someday in heaven, stop wishing for the pie in the sky, in the great by and by. It's now. Those who are in Christ Jesus are not judged guilty. You know, guilt's a terrible motivator. I don't know if you had parents who would try to motivate you to do the right thing by making you feel guilty. And I hope none of you parents do it because it is, it is bad parenting. I want you to think about that. All right, you are so lousy, you are so horrible, you are no good, now go do this. Do you think that's going to make a kid want to do it well? Well, thank God we have a father who uses freedom from guilt to motivate us. Listen to me. Your heavenly father is never going to pronounce guilt over you. He's never going to use guilt and manipulation to get you to do the right things. Ah, so you haven't read your Bible for a week, have you? He doesn't talk to you like that. Try to make you feel guilty. You know what he says? Hey, come sit with me for a while. Let's talk. I miss you. Terrible. Thank God we don't live under a cloud of guilt and shame. And this whole, this whole section declares that right now, at this moment, you are in a good place, a place where you don't have any guilt or any shame over your life. And some of you are sitting there going, yeah, but if you could get in my head, you know that's not true. No, that's not the truth. It might be a circumstance, but it's not the truth. Who's telling you you're guilty? Who's telling you you should be ashamed? It's not your father, not your savior, and it's not your spirit. There is no guilt or shame. The word used by Paul here when he says there is now no condemnation, this is a forensic term. It's a scientific term, which literally says you are free from the sentence and the execution from the sentence. In other words, the Father's not going to look at you and go, guilty, and then He's not going to punish you for it. Never. And you're not only free from the penalty of sin, you know, the destruction that sin causes, you are free from the shame that sin brings. I remember a young man we helped come to Christ saying, he was in the British Navy, saying to us, you know, if, if, if you knew the stuff that I had done, I could never show my face at church again. And I'm thinking, well, that's not true. You're going to show your face in heaven. I, I don't care what you've done. You're a child of God. You're free. Why should I condemn you? What did Jesus say to the woman caught in adultery? Where are those who condemn you, woman? She said, I don't know, sir. He says, well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now listen, this woman got caught in the act of adultery. Right in the act of it. That would have been a movie for Hollywood. Not. And yet Jesus said, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to pronounce you guilty. It's already over your world. I want you to get freedom in life. I want you to get free from this, not found guilty because of this. And we're, you know, we think... Yeah, one day in heaven. Listen, 
Because you are in Christ, you will never, the word never, you know, Janet and I, when we got married, our, our marriage counselor said there are two words that need to be cut out of your dictionary that you never say to each other, never and always. Mm, that's made some couples go, mm, write that down. You never pick up your dirty clothes. You always squeeze the toothpaste in the middle. Oh, Holly laughed. Is that what a meal does? No, you tell him always. Mm. Well, I'm going to tell you here now that never is allowed here. You will never be judged as guilty. You will never be punished for your crime. You are free indeed. You're not just free to go to heaven one day. You are free from accusation here and now. If your head allows yourself to keep accusing you and condemning you, you better not get in the ring because you're going to lose because you're already defeated. Your head needs to be telling you what the Spirit is saying, free indeed. I don't accuse you. Where are your accusers? I know where your accusers are. Stop punishing yourself. God doesn't punish you for your sins. He punished His Son for your sins. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Jesus said. He took your punishment at that moment. Motivation, incentive for the fight comes best when we, we know, hey, I'm free from that. I'm free from that. I'm free from guilt and shame. You go, oh yeah, Keith, but yesterday. Yesterday is yesterday. Today is a day of freedom. Keith, if you knew what I was thinking. Well, then just don't think it. Think about freedom. Remember what I said earlier? Well, don't just think, yeah, I can feel a tickle coming on. No, think health. Motivation is at its best when it comes from the place of freedom, but it's also at its best when it comes from the place of empowerment. In the message, Eugene Peterson says it this way, a new power is in operation. Isn't that good? What was the old power? Me trying to make it happen? But there's a new power in operation. It's called the spirit of life in Christ. Like a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded life of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Romans chapter 6 is full of commands. Stop this. Stop this. Stop letting sin dominate you. Don't submit to the dominion of sin. You get to chapter 7, it's, I can't help it. Sin's always there. My flesh is giving in. And I, I, I can't just keep the rules. Chapter 8 comes in and bang! Confidence. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit in you. Don't miss this. This is some call the crowning chapter of the Bible where God talks about you're supposed to do this and live in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, not your power. Listen, here's some things for you. Up to this point in the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit is only mentioned five times. In this chapter, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 20 times. Mm -hmm. Look at the other bit, though. This is the most of anywhere in the New Testament. By contrast, the I, the mention of self, occurs more than 30 times in chapter 7. I can't do this. I can't win. I can't beat this thing. In chapter 8, the word I or me is hardly existent at all. Where's the focus? Not here. It's on Him, the Holy Spirit. Listen, the life of winning, there's this shift that takes place within us. The focus in the fight begins the moment we're made right with God. The Holy Spirit moves within us. And God continues to give us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You, you, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit doing it. It's a life of the Spirit, not just against sin and temptation, but everything that's listed that's coming over the next four weeks. I'm telling you, there are more, there are more rounds than round one, and there are more opponents than just yourself. But the Holy Spirit causes you to win over every one of them. Everyone, even the ones that the world stands back and goes, hang on a minute. If there's a God, why does he? And the Holy Spirit says, you don't ask questions like that. Because you know that those things are temporary. You've got victory. And instead of trying to generate the energy that's necessary for winning, Paul makes it clear. You've already been given the power to win. He lives within you. Now let me skip down. I'm not... I, I will not get through every verse, but I do want to read this one for you. Romans 8, 9. But you are not. Now, he's saying there's these people that are ruled by their, their sin. They are ruled by their impulses. They are ruled by their desires. But you are not like that. You're not like that. You're not ruled by your sinful self. You are ruled by the Spirit if. That word means if indeed or since the Spirit of God really lives in you. The evidence of winning is the Holy Spirit within. And this chapter, chapter 8, is about the life that God designed for all of us. Yeah, they can win and they got a good Christian life and they're good Christians. Well, so are you. Just live it. I like what uh, Leon Moore said. This is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible and it's teaching about the way the Holy Spirit operates enabling the believer to defeat the forces of evil this isn't just defeating temptation it gets far bigger than that and you're going to be more than a winner that's to come and my prayer for us as we walk through the great things written in this chapter today and in the weeks to come is that you're going to get more than knowledge all the knowledge in the world is not going to cause you to be a winner you know, I can sit down and study wrestling. I can sit down and study boxing. I can sit down and study martial arts. That doesn't make me a winner. It just makes me a smart sinner. Okay? We don't just need more knowledge. We need more power. We need to know him in a way that empowers us. Jack Hayford, great statesman of the faith, said this. The end of study is not knowledge but knowing God by His Holy Spirit. I pray that through these weeks coming that you're going to get a release in the Holy Spirit that all of a sudden rises you up to know round after round you are more than a conqueror. And I want to tell you, this is liberating. Totally liberating. When you realize your motivation doesn't come from external things. Oh, I've got to do all the right things. I've got to tick the church boxes. Your motivation doesn't even come from an internal drive. You know, like, oh, willpower, striving, make it work. No. Victory in the Christian life isn't even about discipline or determination, as good as that is. We should be disciplined. We should be determined. But that's not what victory comes from, people. It's actually about surrender. You want to win? You first got to lose. This is the upside-down principles of the kingdom of heaven. You want to be a winner? You've got to lose your life to him. You've got to give up. Hey, I'm not even going in the ring. I'm finished. I give up. I surrender. I'm, I'm throwing in the towel, man. I, I quit. Gone. And he goes, good. Let me take it now. Winning starts with surrender. You've got to surrender your life to be led by the Spirit. Before you even step in the ring for round one, get your head in the right place. 
You need to be motivated by the truth that you are not condemned. Stop making yourself guilty. You go, hang on, Keith, doesn't the Holy Spirit make us guilty because we sin? No, He will never make you guilty. He will convict you. There's a difference between conviction and guilt. Did you know that? Guilt leads to condemnation and death. There's no answer. You're going to die. You're finished. We're injecting you with a lethal injection. Conviction leads to, oh, that was wrong. Okay, help me to do right. That leads to life. Holy Spirit will never come to you and go, rotten sinner, condemned, die. He'll come to you and go, wrong. You're better than that. Don't do that again. Let me teach you how to live. Get your head in the right place. Be motivated by the truth that you are not condemned or guilty and you will live a life of winning, not defeat. I tell you, I, I don't know how many Christians I've talked to that, oh, but Pastor Keith, if you just knew what I did, oh, if you knew what I was thinking, oh, if you knew, if you knew, listen, get your head out of that. Get your head into the place of freedom. You've been set free. The Spirit of God is living in you and working in you for victory. The opponent, not even self, can stand and win against him because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.